Welcome to Rio Radio Live from BPCon 2022 with some another fresh edition. Welcome to Rio Radio, episode 64 with Ted Kosh and Owen Dashner at BPCon live. Recorded. You're listening to Rio Radio. The nationally trusted name in real estate investing. We dig deep to discover investors' why in real estate. If you want to skip all the BS and get in investors' heads, you're in the right spot. Be one of the thousands to check out RioRadio.com. Brian Murray, fresh off of a breakout session where he talked about commercial real estate and investing. Um, can you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? Yeah, my name's, like you said, Brian Murray. Um, I invest in apartments and mobile home parks. Uh, I've got a little over 8,000 units uh, scattered throughout the country, mostly in the Midwest and uh, the longest Sun Belt. And uh, I'm a partner at Open Door Capital. I also started a company called Washington Street Properties. Oh, what's that? Uh, what is that about? Uh, Washington Street Properties is a uh, commercial real estate and uh, multifamily company based out of upstate New York, where I, I used to live, and uh, I now live in the Atlanta area. And um, you know, help help start Open Door Capital, which is actually based out of Hawaii. So you guys have uh, how many employees now at Open Door Capital? Uh, we've got over a hundred employees. Um, That's but, crazy. Uh, You've done this yeah. in such a short amount of time that yeah. scaling up and uh, have you. Have you had uh, challenges with growing as quickly as you guys have in the last few years? Uh, you know, there's always challenges, but um, you know, we've got a really great team, a lot of experience on the team, and uh, you know, it's been challenging, but it's been a lot of fun. We got, I think, it makes all the difference to have really great people on the team, and, and we're really blessed to be able to say that's what we have. So, what are you most excited about for your business over the next, uh, say, year or two? And uh, is there anything our listeners might be able to do if you're hiring somebody and you're looking for a particular type of talent or maybe properties? Uh, anything out there that uh, might move the needle for you? You know, I'm most excited when I, when I see all the uh, negativity and the fear that's out there and people pulling back and saying, you know, you see, you see people, uh, sellers maybe a little more anxious to sell and buyers a little more hesitant. In my experience, that creates great opportunities. And so when I sense fear in the marketplace, I get excited and I'm, I'm ready to purchase more and I can't wait to see what we can find. I love it. So. Brian Murray, greedy when others are fearful. <laughs> All right. Man. Thank you for coming yeah, on. We really yeah, appreciate yeah. it. Live from BPCon 22, we've got Eve Peterson here. Eve, tell us about yourself. So you are looking at house hack. Yes, in Huntington Beach, California. Awesome. Which is uh, how far from where we are? Two hours north. Okay, two hours north of San Diego. House hacking, she is going to do... A fourplex. So the mega house hack. So fourplex, you're going to get... And now this is what, this is pretty cool. So Eve has been looking for a creative way to utilize private money in order to buy a house hack, a fourplex, with the price tag of what? 1.7 million. 1.7 million, ladies and gentlemen, to get a fourplex in Huntington Beach, California. That's when it's going down. Yeah. yeah it's on, around 2 million right now. Uh, so how are you going about getting this? And what, what problem did you have trying to get financing and how are you going about solving that problem? So I recently... Well, I kind of dropped out of college, which I don't 
I left that part out. All before, successful but, real estate investors you know, are college dropouts. Yeah, so I took an econ class and I realized that my time is worth more than yeah. being in, in school. So I decided that um, I wanted to take care of housing and I just recently got engaged. So Congratulations. my issue is that I don't have a huge income or enough to qualify for a $2 million loan. Yep. Do you still have a W-2 job? I do. What line of work are you? Uh, publishing. Oh, interesting. So, yeah. Okay. So you ran into some problems with not having enough for the down payment. Is that right? Yeah, the, the down payment and yeah. probably qualifying just okay. overall because, yeah, it's a lot of money. Now, a lot of people I would imagine that live in a really expensive market like we're in now uh, probably have that same problem. So what did you do to you know try to find a workaround for being able to get your first house hacked? So I asked around. I know a few high net worth investors, mm -hmm. and I just called them up and I said, "Hey, would you be willing to go to lunch with me? Um, I want to ask about you know how you how you would take care of this problem." And so he actually told me about his private money lending and how he used to help people out with mortgages that they couldn't qualify for. Mm -hmm. So he said that he would do it for us, but he couldn't do it because of state laws. So I, I volunteered to become a licensed mortgage loan originator and he accepted. Now, so what, what she's talking about is in the state of California, sometimes they have a, lot, a little bit stiffer regulations on who you can loan money to and what you can charge. So this is a creative way around that. She actually, and the guy, it sounds like he probably was not licensed in the state no, of California. So His she, lawyer told him to stop. She did not take no for an answer and said, I am going to get licensed myself so that you can do a loan to me that I can now house hack. And uh, so what's the plan after you do that? Are you just going to, you're trying to I want to make it into a business. Okay. I want to be able to help people like me who can't really qualify for things with their low income, but still want to do, still want to work, you know, as a contractor or, yeah. you know, try to make it in California, which is I love it. really hard. Now, okay, just to, just to paint the picture here. So $1.7 million, let's say every one of those units was leased out to a non-owner. Uh, what could you rent that for, the whole property? $2,500 per unit. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. $2,500 a unit, yeah. ladies and gents. Yeah. So and 10 grand a month on a fourplex, that's insane. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's pretty crazy. Cool. Yeah. Okay, so you're gonna take that baby down and then you're gonna basically figure out how to help the masses with uh, maybe similar problems that right. they have. That's great. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what do you think of the Bigger Pox Conference so far? Oh my gosh, I love it. So it's your first it's one? Yeah. yeah. And I've gotten so many good ideas from other people yeah. and, and I want to execute on all of them. Yes. Awesome. Uh -huh. I love it. Felt the fear, did it anyway. Yeah. Uh, well, Eve, best of luck to you. Yes. We'll follow up again and see how the house hack's going Absolutely. after you take it down. All right. Thank you. Thanks for coming on. Live at BPCon 2022, here with Sarah Weaver and Ziana McIntyre. I didn't want to mispronounce her name. So, uh, newly minted book, 30 Day Stay. What is it about? Go ahead. So we love this strategy. It's called the medium term rental strategy. You probably know short term rentals. That's Airbnb, two night stays, two week stays. And you, I know, own long term rentals. So that's unfurnished year long leases. But we love the medium term rental. It means that it's furnished like a short-term rental, increased cash flow like a short-term rental, but less turnover. They typically stay one to three months, making our lives a lot easier. Yeah. Now, have, so is most of your portfolio collectively in this type of uh, an asset? So a medium-term, 30-day stay, that's most of it? 
Yeah, so I come from the short-term rental world, and I ended up transitioning a lot of my properties to medium term. It happened during COVID. I just saw like a need for it. And then I've just liked the strategy more. And so as I get new properties, I'm like, yeah, it's easier. I can make things cash flow. I don't know how you cash flow long term. Yeah. How, how do you underwrite a deal? Is it any different than you would if you were looking at it as a long-term or short-term rental? Is it more more of the same? Or how do you know when you have something that's really like, this is a good one to buy? What do you look for? Yeah. So what I like to do is I like to analyze all my properties as long-term rentals. And then the only three lines that change is in the upfront renovation, I add in furnishing costs. And then for utilities, I'm increasing that because you're going to be paying for utilities like you would a short-term rental. And then I might increase your CapEx, maybe, but otherwise everything else is the same as a long-term rental. Now, is it trickier to find a management company that is on the same page as you when you're trying to describe what you're looking for in this? And how do you go about working with a property manager that maybe isn't familiar with this? So I feel like you kind of have to train them. So if you're doing a long-term property manager, forget it. No, you need to find a short-term property manager. And then the way you want to vet them is like, will they do short-term most of the time and then medium-term in the winter? They should already be offering you that because if they're not, then they don't really know what they're doing because that's what you should be doing. And then if you can't do short-term in your town, medium-term all the way. But yeah, the, the pricing needs to be a little bit different. It's just a whole different hospitality world. So if they're long-term, it's just not the same animal. Super cool. Where can people pick up this book? At biggerpockets.com forward slash 30 day stay. Okay. And is it on Amazon also? And or Okay. So the recommended place though is biggerpockets.com. It will not be available on Amazon until December 8th, I think. Yeah. So you got to get it at Bigger Pockets now. Last question for you. What was the process like of collaborating on writing a book? And was this your first one? Uh, this is your first one, right? Oh. How was it? How did it go? Was it... Did it flow well? Did you maybe did, could you describe your process? Yeah, absolutely. What we did, we, we divided and conquered. So we took on chapters that we felt most comfortable writing. So for example, I took furnishing and she took everything else. <laughs> no. <laughs> Synergy. And so, <laughs> so we divided and conquered and then we, we really filled in the gaps. So like both Ziana and I have a lot of experience. And so we sometimes, and we know each other really well. So there was sometimes where I'd be writing a chapter and I'm like, oh yeah, you you should tell that story about that unit that you did here and vice versa. Yeah. So we did add a lot of case studies. It was really important to us to have like stories that you could learn through rather than just a boring how-to book. And so, yeah, we kind of. So you tie, you, you tie in some things that are, make it relatable and people can grab onto and apply to their own situation, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, that's awesome. Well, listen, uh, I'll let you guys get back to your book signings. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us. We've got uh, Ziana McIntyre and Sarah Weaver, authors of The 30 Day Stay. Thank you so much. Thank you, ladies. Yeah. Great meeting you. Thanks, Good seeing you. <laughs> check, baby, check, baby. One, one two, two three, three, four. Check, baby, check, baby. One, two, three. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that was good. Oh, what is that, the rump shaker? Yeah. It's been a while. <laughs> this, is a jam, this is a jam in the 90s. I love that you say that. All the people that I work with, they're like, what? Because they're all 12. <laughs>
for three days with people who are just as excited. And in my life, I get a lot of this because I'm talking to people all day long at Bigger Pockets. But in your life, real estate may not be what you get to talk about with other people. So at BPCon, Everybody here is as much of a geek about real estate as you are. So that is like my favorite part of this conference. The best part is you can roll up to any random person that's standing around with one of these on and be like, what do you do? And then like 30 minutes later, you've got a random conversation with finding out what exactly what they do. And you never know who you're standing next to. They could be multi, multi-millionaires or be in short-term rentals or long-term rentals or flipping or whatever. Absolutely. That is my, that is my go-to introduction question is what kind of real estate investing do you yeah. do? Because even if you're an introvert, you're probably not going to be talking to an introvert. There's a lot of extroverts here, but you already know that you love real estate because you're at a real estate conference. I love real estate. I'm at a real estate conference. What kind of real estate do you do? How often do you get to talk about real estate in real life? I mean, maybe you're different because you have a podcast about it, but in real life, nobody wants to talk about real estate. So you come here and you're like, oh, I just want to not talk about real estate for five minutes in the morning while I get my coffee. But for the rest of the day, it's real estate, real estate all day long. And it's awesome. Yeah. Now tell us about your most recent book. Okay. It's called First Time Home Buyer. And the reason that I wrote it is because Morgan Housel, the author of The Psychology of Money, the like most brilliant man on the planet, wrote an article a few years ago and he's like, when I was buying my house, every time my real estate agent would say something, I was on Google asking like, what does this mean? What does this mean? What about this process? Is this normal? Like all these things because he didn't know what he was doing. And my first thought was, I know something that Morgan Housel doesn't. He's like so brilliant. But also if he doesn't know it and he is so smart, how many other people also don't know this? Yes, you should use a real estate agent to help you buy and sell a house. But, well, we're not going to talk about selling. Buying. Yes, you should use a real estate agent to help you buy a house. But also, you need to know the process. Your real estate agent has done this a hundred times. Or I hope they've done it a hundred times. They might forget the basics. Or they say you need to do something and you're like, why? A lot of people are really hesitant to ask these questions. Mm -hmm. Oh, I don't want somebody to think I'm stupid. I put all that information, me and Scott Trench, uh, my co-author, we put all of that information in the book so you know the process of buying and selling a house or buying a house. Um, it's very expensive to sell a house. And we're talking about buying, but when you're thinking about buying a house, you need to be thinking about how long you're going to be in that house. You need to be thinking about what you're going to do with that house when you no longer are going to live there. It is... 2 to 4% of the purchase price to purchase the house in random closing costs here and there. But it's 8 to 12% in closing costs, 8 to 12% of the sales price to sell a house. Mm -hmm. So if you buy a house and then a year from now you're like, oh, I don't like this house, you are going to eat it big when you go to sell that house. Ask me how I know when I bought the wrong house in the wrong neighborhood and I sold it Less than a year later, I lost $13,000 on this house just in closing costs because I bought the wrong house, because I didn't do my research. I like what you said there about planning for how long you're going to live in it, because a lot of people assume, especially when you're buying a primary residence, they don't care as much how much the cost is. They just want what they want. Mm -hmm. And then, like you said, if it's going to be a short-term stint that you're owning it, you're going to rip off a Band-Aid that has 10% of the value in it uh, when you go to sell. And that's a, that's, a good, that's a good point. I don't think a lot of people consider that. No, they look they at don't. what's it cost for me to buy this, not factoring in how long am I going to own it and what's it going to cost to sell. Yeah. Yeah. And your stuff. exit strategy doesn't have to be I sell. 
Yep. You could turn it into a rental. Mm-hmm. How many? No, you've done you've done that a few times, right? I've done that a few times, yeah. and not every house makes sense as a rental. A lot of them can, mm-hmm. but a lot of them don't make sense at any price to turn into a rental. So if you're buying it with the idea that you're going to turn it into a rental, you need to buy it as a rental. Mm-hmm. So oh, go- I'll just rent it if it doesn't work out. Doesn't work out unless you buy it with that thought in mind. So begin with the end in mind when you're yes. when you're buying any type of property, whether even if you're going to live in it, if you have the investing bug. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. That's good. But you should also have multiple strategies even if you don't think about investing. If you're just buying as a regular owner-occupied, owner-occupant, you don't have any plans to make this a rental property, you don't want to be a rental property investor, you should still have multiple exit strategies because you could lose your job. Do you plan to lose your job? No, but it sometimes just happens. You could get a job transfer in the middle of a terrible market and you can't sell it. Remember 2008 when you couldn't give away your house? I do. You don't want to be caught in that position. So buy a house that has multiple different ways to get out of it. Can you describe how the collaboration process worked in your book, Writing with Scott? Did you guys have a regular get together and talk about ideas or did you just like jam a whole bunch of information and do an outline and flesh it out? We started with the outline. Uh-huh. So that is really, really important. We sat, we had a shared Google document so you can see what I'm typing and I can see what you're typing. And we started off at, okay, here's this subhead. Oh wait, we want to put this, 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 and oh, and I want to make sure I get this. Oh, that should go up here. And we worked on that for several hours. Yeah. And then you flesh out the outline. And that's something I actually got from Brandon Turner. But when you make the outline and you make it so detailed, as you're fleshing it out, you're like, ooh, I got to add this thing in here. And you add it. And then all of a sudden, you have a whole book because you have the outline really fleshed out. What was your first book that you wrote? It's called How to Sell Your Home. And you have how many now total? Just the two. Two. Okay. So this is your most recent one. Do you have plans for another one? Or can you talk about it yet? Oh, I don't have any plans for another one right now. But I could always be swayed if there was like, you got a topic you want to talk about? Yeah, all right, let's, <laughs> listeners, let's get some topics out there that we can have uh, inspiration for Mindy. So, Hit me up. Yeah, well, that's awesome. So, uh, Mindy, you also work in what capacity for Bigger Pockets? I host their money podcast, the Bigger Pockets Money Podcast. I make videos for the YouTube channel. I am venturing into the TikTok space. Uh, I've made a couple. Ooh, I got a dance. <laughs> I am avoiding that at all costs, but you am, you do you. I am venturing into that space, um, and I made a video that is doing really, really well right now. It's five things I would never do as a real estate investor, five things I would ne- five houses I would never buy as a uh, real estate agent. Like, okay. I would never yeah. buy on a busy street. Don't ask me to name them all because I can't remember them right now. It's been a big day. Um, but I would never buy on a busy street. Number one, I would never buy on sight unseen. There are people who can. I cannot. I want to see that house because you cannot taste a picture. You cannot smell a picture. Have you ever walked into a house and you're like, oh, 17 cats lived here? Have you ever yeah. done that? Yeah. yeah. You walk right back out again. I don't want to own that house. <laughs> Those are the ones that I buy, just just uh, so the viewers know. And there is a buyer for yeah. that house. But if that's what you want, you have to make sure that's what you want. I know that's not what I want. Get so clear on your criteria. Get clear stick on your to criteria. It. Yes, absolutely. I don't want a cat pee house, so you can have that house. <laughs> I love cat pee. Oh, can I say? Yeah, you <laughs> can. Smells like money. It's PG-13. Oh. <laughs>
You have several cuss words you can layer in there if you want to. Well, this has been awesome. Thank you for all the little golden nuggets you shared with the uh, listeners here. We appreciate you. Best of luck with the book launch. Well, this is awesome. Thank yeah. you, Owen. Yeah, good to see you again. Good to see you, yeah. too. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. As usual, this is Owen Dasher. You've been listening to Ted Kosh, Dennis Bertrand, and Via Radio. Hope you enjoyed the VP Con Shorts episodes.